Welcome to the Omafra Field Crop Update for March the 2nd, 2016. I'm Mike Cobra. It's nice to be back. I have a couple of new programs for you. It's been a while. The first one is what uh, you're currently listening to right at this moment. It's called the Omafra Field Crop Update. It will be a weekly summary of agronomy projects and crop updates in the province. I'll start each episode by setting the countdown clock on uh, my old phone for 50 minutes. When that 15 minutes is up, so am I. It's kind of like this. When I'm asked to speak at meetings, I'm almost always asked to speak for 40 to 50 minutes, and it's simply too long. Quite literally, there are people falling asleep by the end of my presentations. I should be able to give you the high points of any field crop research project in less than 15 minutes, the kind of so what of the the essence of the project. So it is my goal with the OMAFRA field crop update to do this, and it will be available through the toll-free phone system as well as uh, the podcast will be published to SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you can find your uh, favorite podcast. Secondly, if you pay taxes, you pay our salaries, and I think it's important for you to know what our what work our team is doing to help drive the industry forward. And so that's kind of why I want to focus in the off-season on research projects and what we're working on. In-season, I think we'll do a kind of a panel of agronomists in terms of what's going on uh, in the cropping season. But if you have any input on what we could be doing as a unit to drive the industry forward, if you have suggestions, comments, criticisms, uh, put, put those in the voicemail box or reach out to me on the Twitter machine. That's at Cobra at C-O-W. B-R-O-U-G-H, or through email, mike.cowbrouth at ontario.ca. And lastly, to that point, when I listen to something, I like to be able to follow up with some ideas or look at the information discussed. So there's going to be a show notes portion for each episode posted to fieldcropnews.com. It's there that you can find the timelines of certain things discussed. You can view resources discussed in the episode. In other words, you can dig deeper into an issue. My my philosophy is I'm going to give you the high points in less than 15 minutes. If you want to do follow-up, because there'll be more nuances, more layers to the story, you can do so by going to the show notes. The second program that I have developed is called Talking with Ontario Farmers. So admittedly, not my, uh, not my most creative title, But I'm interested personally in what makes successful farmers tick. What is their approach to business? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What have they failed at? What have they succeeded at? What's their favorite tractor? What's their least favorite tractor? This is a long-form style interview that will last about an hour. It's clearly not a format that is good for a phone system like this, but certainly it fits nicely in a podcast that can be played at your leisure in the tractor or in your motor vehicle of choice when you're working so that you can learn about and from your peers in Ontario agriculture. So Talking with Ontario Farmers will be published on the second Tuesday of each month. Uh, on the first episode, I talk with Dresden area farmer Philip Shaw, and that podcast will be up on March the 9th. So that's Talking with Ontario Farmers, our guest Philip Shaw. So search for Talking with Ontario Farmers. So I'm at about the three-minute mark. i got 12 minutes left. I will not need that 12 minutes to discuss this week's crop project profile, mycotoxins, a word with Greek origins that essentially means fungus poison. One of the most common mycotoxins in Ontario is vomitoxin, which I incorrectly assumed was Greek for puke poison, 
but vomitoxin also goes by the acronym DON, which stands for deoxynivalenol. And your knowledge of that word is probably not going to impress anyone at a cocktail party, but it does negatively affect livestock health, livestock productivity. It is not good for livestock agriculture. So a cool and wet growing season can increase mold and mycotoxin growth in both grain and silage fields of corn, and especially when those cool and wet conditions happen during pollination and grain fill of corn. Fusarium uh, is the fungal pathogen responsible for the occurrence of vomitoxin, so specifically Fusarium graminarium and Gibberella ZA. The field crop unit, led by Scott Banks out in eastern Ontario, and in partnership with the Renfrew and Lanark Soil and Crop Improvement Association, set out to evaluate if the use of proline, a fungicide that suppresses Fusarium graminarium and Gibberella ZA, would reduce the incidence of vomitoxin when applied at the tasseling stage of corn. So what did they find out? So over the course of a three-year uh, project, average vomitoxin levels in the unsprayed corn silage plots range from 0.5 to 1.4 parts per million. What does this mean? Well, according to an article written by Richard Adams and his colleagues at Penn State College of Agricultural Sciences, when you see vomitoxin levels at 0.56 parts per million, you would classify those as a concern level, meaning that there are favorable conditions for mycotoxins and feeding the feed might pose a threat to livestock performance and health. So practically that warning means one should do more follow-up testing and monitor the health of livestock closely while feeding. But when vomitoxin levels that are above 0.6 parts per million in pigs and 3.9 parts per million are found in cattle feed, those are classified as potentially harmful. So in other words, they're at a probably do not feed level. And so certainly you would be concerned about feeding it. So that's you know, 0.6 parts per million for pigs, 3.9 parts per million for cattle. You know, not really applicable for pigs with the corn silage, but certainly for cattle. So in the uh, studies done by Scott Banks and his colleagues, a 0.5 to 1.4 parts per million level in the corn silage of the untreated plots slated for cattle feeding probably would be a concern uh, given the guidelines given at Penn State College of Agricultural Sciences, and it's something you'd want to monitor closely and do follow-up testing. So how could you minimize the risk of your livestock feed falling into that area of concern category? So ideally, we'd want to drop those parts per million levels down fungicide application might be one tool to do that. That's what Scott and his crew went to look at. So when the fungicide proline was applied at tasseling, there was a 66% reduction in vomitoxin levels averaged over the three years of that study. And those average reductions ranged anywhere from 61 to 73% during the course of the study. The average vomitoxin levels in those uh, fungicide sprayed plots range from 0.1 to 0.5 parts per million. So in this three-year study at these locations, the inclusion of a fungicide did lower the vomitoxin levels below the uh, concern level identified by Penn State College of Agricultural Sciences. So bottom line is that the fungicides that are labeled to control causal pathogens of vomitoxin, so again, specifically Fusarium graminarium and Givarella ZA, they'll suppress levels of vomitoxin. But let's put this into context. There's no guarantees that it would reduce vomitoxin levels to a point that you would not, not be concerned 
and especially if you don't address other risk factors for higher incidence levels of vomitoxin. So they would be in environments where you're planting corn on corn, number one. Number two, if you're planting corn on corn into high corn stock residue systems. And number three, to make matters worse, if you're planting a sensitive hybrid uh, to fusarium on high residue corn stalks in a system where it's continuous corn. So that would be the ultimate, you know, worst risk in terms of increased vomitoxin levels from those uh, causal pathogens. So unless you address those factors, um, the use of a fungicide is a tool, but if you don't address those three factors, uh, it, it may not work at all. You can't rely on it exclusively. It's a systems approach. So here is my mindset and one that I want to cultivate in these series of crop updates and podcasts. You know, going through this project, talking to colleagues about it, kind of understanding it more, I follow up questions. Follow up questions that I don't have the time to uh, deliver on in this uh, short podcast. So I want to uh, curate them, go back, revisit, and, and kind of come back to them and bring them all together. So you might have questions too. I want to cultivate a uh, culture of critical thinking and dig deeper into these issues. So here's my questions on this topic that I've thought about. I don't have the answers to, and I'll figure them out. So question number one, are there different feed sources that we could be using in rations that would not negatively affect livestock production, but would eliminate the issue of vomitoxin? Number one. Number two, how easy is it to find hybrids that are tolerant to fusarium? Because admittedly, if we go to public research trials like the corn performance trials, they don't do fusarium ratings. I presume you have to go to a seed company to find uh, that information. How easy is it to access? And number three, and this maybe should be number one, sounds like a horrible thing to ask, but how, how big of an issue is this? Is it really that big an issue? What are the long-term trends in terms of uh, vomitoxin incidence in corn? Is the problem getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it predictable? Is it only in certain pockets of the province? Is it totally random? Where, in other words, where can we put our focus? Um, and so those are things I'll follow up with, and we'll, we'll layer it back into this episode. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear about them so we can uh, all learn together. So with that, um, I'm well under 50 minutes. That's a good thing. Uh, for those that are still with me, thank you. For those that are asleep, good night now. And uh, we will meet you in another week and uh, discuss another research project. So thanks for hanging out for the first episode. We'll talk to you later and uh, have a good day. 